Welcome to the Body Positivity Podcast with Diana and Arliss. And today on this beautiful day, we are going to be discussing gender and body positivity. I'm looking forward to the discussion, Arliss. I think it's it's something that I don't think we grew up with the same understanding as there's been more awareness in more recent years. What was your experience with gender norms when you were a kid? Thank you for asking that. When I was growing up, it was just understood that I was a girl and that there was no question about that. There was no discussion. There was no asking if I felt feminine or masculine. There was no hiding the fact that I was a girl. Um, So before I was even born, my mom went out and bought 10 frilly dresses with bows and shoes to match. It was just always, I was just always labeled as a girl uh, from a very young age. And it's interesting now because as an adult, I definitely consider myself an equal mix of feminine and masculine energy. And I do present very female, but I have been told many times in my life that I have very masculine characteristics in my personality. Uh, But that was definitely not a discussion that was had when I was younger. So what about you, Diana? Honestly, I felt like I mostly fit the mold of feminine well. So it never was, was something that seemed out of touch for me, but at the same time, similar to you, I I did feel that some of my more masculine tendencies or more masculine energy wasn't always received well and that sometimes I would be told to to be more soft or to be nicer or things that didn't like I, I even remember being told I was bossy and for me it's like if I were a male would I have ever been called bossy or would I have been called strong willed and you know like like confident instead of like arrogant or stuck up, you know, like kind of things. Um, so I think that there, that a lot of times that, that masculine energy, I did feel that as societally not acceptable, if that makes sense. I felt like it wasn't okay for me to be myself in sometimes. And I also thought, you know, like when it came to, I know it did, like delves a little bit more into like sexuality as well, but it felt like my expression of myself and my sexuality had to be a certain way because of the gender that I was assigned, where maybe a male could be more free or open with his, with um, his expression of self. It was harder for me to be, you know, to express myself through my clothing or through what I said or what I did. There was there was almost always like some form of control that it felt like was being put on me. Absolutely. I can identify with everything that you're saying. And I can also say that there were times in my life where I tried to strip myself of my gender outwardly so that I would appear more masculine um, in the job that I was in. So when I was a deputy coroner, I frequently worked primarily around men because we worked a lot with law enforcement. And and so I dressed in ways where I would not be perceived as overly feminine or or maybe even feminine at all. I had a very close um, haircut and I wore um, very binding clothes so that I didn't show off my curves as much. 
And it was in an effort to be taken more seriously in that male dominated field. I think that's like common, right? To feel that we need to look or seem a certain way because we're in a space that that feels male dominated. And yes, like in a deputy coroner's office and in, in a police station, all those kind of things, I can definitely see how there'd be a lot of male energy that you're you're around and you know like it kind of reminds me of working in banking or even in the kitchen and you know like for me it kind of came off like I think this is some of my own like subconscious stuff but I I like didn't want to be like the girls I didn't want to I didn't want to want that stereotype put on me. So I purposely put myself in places that made it clear like I wasn't just one of the girls, you know, and they happened to align as well with my interests. But I felt I feel like there were some ways where that defined me where I didn't want to just be a girl because of some of the stereotypes or concepts that were behind what that would mean to be a to be a girl. Absolutely. And I think that this ties into another topic that you and I had discussed earlier, these gender reveal parties. So and how that kind of, you know, sticks somebody into a category before they're even born. And then they are placed in that category with all the stereotypes and expectations of that gender. I would love to know your thoughts on that, Diana. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's kind of hard. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there, that when it comes to these things, we all sort of have a different experience of it. I don't know. When I think about like gender parties and all that stuff, like I have a lot of friends who are, who are um, just having children and things like that. And it's interesting to me that there's this concept of a gender reveal party, but really that what's happening in that time is we're having the sex of the baby uh, revealed which is their, what their genitalia is, their, their, physical, their physical attributes, the, what the body happened, you know, how they're born. But that does not necessarily equate to gender identity. So there is a little bit of that nuance. And I mean, being honest, when I was growing up, I didn't know that there was even a nuance there. But the idea, again, is sex is the body parts that you're born with, whereas gender is your your choice of identity with either the masculine or the feminine. And there can be, you know, just as Arliss and I have talked about already, there can be parts of you that identify as more masculine, there can be parts of you that identify as more feminine, but this is this would be your overall like gender identity. And yeah, like when we know what the sex of a baby is uh, a few months into um, that process, we still don't know that baby's gender, which is which is why to me I think it's interesting that they're called gender reveal parties, and that I think it's interesting that it's happening at the same time that the younger generation has a more clear concept of gender fluidity and more of a clear distinction between sex and gender. Absolutely, and I actually have had friends who have had babies. And during that time period when the mother or surrogate was pregnant or even after the birth, they never identified the sex of the baby. And so all of the gifts that they received were gender neutral and they gave the child a gender neutral name with the idea that they would have conversations with the child as they were growing up and basically give the child the choice as to which gender they they feel most aligned with within themselves 
without having a gender placed upon them. I love that. And it makes me wonder about like how kids these days can start to grow up with this different concept of who they are and that they can choose their gender. I think we've both talked about this before. I think both of us wanted to be on the um, the boys football team, right? Well, there was no girls football team. And I was like, I want to I wanna play with the boys kind of thing. And sometimes feeling in many, like as a female, sometimes limited by my, my gender. As a woman, you know, just feeling, feeling like because of the way that people saw me or whatever, that they had certain concepts of who I was supposed to be. Like, I'm not the most like soft person. <laughs> I'm not like... I don't know the most like naturally motherly, like caring kind of person. And I struggled with that because, you know, a lot of me in other ways is feminine. And I think there were times where I found it difficult to accept myself because I didn't fit the mold of what other people thought that I should be because I present as a woman. Absolutely. There's just so many expectations on both genders to look and present in a certain way. And, you know, it calls into mind for me, those individuals who are born of a specified sex, but identify as a different gender. So either born as a, you know, female genitalia, but identify as male or identify as non-binary. I think that it can be really hard when we don't fit into the norm expectation of how we present in the world for that gender, whether it's um, something that matches our biology and our physical expression of anatomy or not. Yeah, and I honestly think that it even touches a little bit into our discussion a couple weeks ago on sexuality. When you identify yourself as, as having a preference for a specific gender, I wonder how those lines get blurred as, as gender kind of shifts as well. So I have, I have no idea and no clue what that could be. I'm just saying that for myself, I, I realize that it's it's interesting to see how as these these gender constructs kind of break down, how other stuff as well will, will kind of shift, shift in thinking. Like, I think that there's a lot to be said for the expectations on both identities. And we're talking binary of male and female. So I, Arliss, like, what do you think are some of the ways that males are expected to identify versus females? You know, speaking to our topic of body positivity, the stereotypical male physical presentation is muscular, strong, tall, uh, bigger than female physiques, right? Having body hair, using clothing that is very hyper-masculine. So blues, grays, browns, greens, those types of colors, shoes that are flat. For most cultures, it's minimal jewelry, right? So some men might wear a chain and they might wear like a wedding ring or something like that and a watch, but that's about it. And I think that that's really different. For women, it's smaller frames, but also somehow curvy, or at least showing breasts and buttocks and some like some kind of curve there. In a lot of cultures, it's expected that women will wear makeup, that they'll have long hair, that they will be devoid of body hair anywhere else, that they will wear jewelry like earrings and necklaces and rings and bracelets, that their clothing 
will be in feminine color palettes like pinks and reds and whites and florals and that their clothing will show off their feminine body and then in many cultures it's expected that women will wear high heels yeah yeah i think that these are definitely some of the like physical expectations that we put upon each each identity i think another thing that we put on are some societal expectations so for example for men there's the expectation to carry heavy things which goes along with being being strong or it might be expecting men to uh, provide whether it's financially like some form of support that comes from uh, from the male you know there's there's this idea i hear oftentimes when i when i work with men about feeling compelled or feeling like they need to provide or they need to support the family or they need to they need to do certain things in order to meet financial support uh, needs and i think with women, sometimes some of the other expectations that can be there is, is ideas about being maybe more quiet or docile. That's one that has always come up for me where I'm like, uh, not it. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I don't know. I don't quite fit that mold. There's also the expectation in sexuality that I think is interesting where, you know, like, oh, boys can, boys will be boys and, you know, can, can say certain things where women don't have the same freedom or ability to say the same thing without, without something being said about them and their character. Absolutely. I think that in society, sexuality or being sexually minded is something that's considered norm in males. And if a female exhibited being highly sexual, sexually minded, they are considered slutty or, you know, other words that I like don't even want to use because I find them so offensive. <laughs> Individuals could have the same exact behavior and they would be judged either positively on the male side or negatively on the female side. And there are behaviors that women have stereotypically so like the gentleness or softness or easy to show emotion that you know stereotypically women show that and are praised for it and if men are that way and they are shamed for it so it definitely goes both ways right yeah and i love that you bring up that emotional side because for me that's a side that's harder to touch upon personally and i've more so identified with that male more masculine kind of expectation of like being strong like you know kind of discarding your emotions or like not not being led or swayed by emotion and i feel like a lot of my healing has been in bringing greater balance to understanding emotion and channeling it effectively and same with like even reclaiming my body because i think there's a lot as well like when we think about this topic of gender that comes in with like body acceptance and body identity because our body is a means by which we express ourselves and where others can also get some sense perhaps of, of our gender identity not necessarily true of course like we can have we can dress anyway and and gender our gender identity can be fluid in that way but it is one of the ways by which we create and form an identity so what are like what are your kind of thoughts on yeah the body identity and the body acceptance that that comes along with gender i think that for those who identify differently in their anatomy versus their their gender i think it can be a huge struggle and I haven't personally gone through that struggle, 
but I know what it's like to feel betrayed by my body due to health reasons or to feel like my body isn't a representation of who I am at core due to health reasons. And that has been a huge struggle for me in my life. And when I was in the midst of that struggle, I found myself being harmful to my body, almost out of spite, because I was so angry at what my body was putting me through. I know from research, those who are going through transition, who just identify differently in their gender than their anatomy, that, you know, self-harm, you know, anorexia nervosa or bulimia or exercise addiction or or actually harming oneself is much, much higher in in those populations. And and I cannot I can only imagine, you know, how betrayed I have felt in my body due to health reasons. I can't, it's probably nothing compared to how someone might feel if they feel like they've been born into the wrong physical expression of a body and they identify as a different gender. And so I have a lot of empathy for that challenge because I, you know, I feel like I've gone through a very small, tiny example of that with my health challenges. Yeah, same. I, I've felt betrayed by my body due to my health at points, but not never in that core identity way. And I, you know, I can, I can relate to the eating disorders that can come from a lack of self-love and the self-harm that can come from not loving ourselves. That's definitely, you know, something that I can see for myself in my past, you know, and, and of course, in some ways still, although I feel like overall much stronger and much more open and aware, I still think that there are some ways where I'm not necessarily perfect at that. And, you know, like, I think that's, that's important to be honest about in that situation, because yeah, like, I think our, like, this is a core part of identity, our sex in some way and our, our gender. It's something that I think when someone doesn't feel like what's on the outside reflects what's on the inside, there's got to be a lot of inner turmoil that's going on in that process. And what's interesting as well is that in, in Hawaiian culture, for example, like folks who, who, who kind of blend or blur the gender line are, are considered sacred and, and holy people. These concepts of gender, these were placed upon us. These are not like universal like human beliefs or anything like that. These are... These are something that come from our societal norms. And I think it is just important for us to see and understand and know that this is simply one way to look at the world and that there are other ways to see and understand our identity and some of the nuance that can come in with with gender. Absolutely. And I think that one of the ways that we all in society can support individuals who are choosing their gender whether that is the gender that fits their physical anatomy or it's different than their physical anatomy, is to ask individuals what their pronouns are. Asking for someone's pronouns and then using the pronoun that they have stated as their preference is really a way of showing love and respect. And I know that it doesn't get discussed that way very often, but that really is what it is at its core. And so if somebody says that they use he, him, she, her, or they, them pronouns, it is a way of showing respect and love to that person. And that is something that I am very careful with 
in order to honor the people that are in my life, even if they're acquaintances. I even have in my new client intake form, what's your pronoun preference? Because it's, it's so important to me that I refer to individuals how they prefer, not necessarily how I would judge them to be. Yeah, and I think that it's an amazing thing to start to get to realize that sometimes the assumed pronouns that we have or some of the assumptions that we make about who somebody else might be, we can clarify. I think about pronouns kind of like, almost like an extension of our name in that it's it's the other means by which we we would like to be identified. And with that, I wanna say like, sometimes people pronounce our names wrong, right? So sometimes they don't get it right. And sometimes I can feel like, so for my whole life, I've had last names that like nobody can pronounce. My maiden last name is Bahasa. And then my my married name is Gremion, both which do not necessarily have a simple spelling. And there have been a lot of times where people will mispronounce my name. And to me, it's not a big deal. But I've also realized that perhaps that's been something about feeling okay with people not respecting or even owning my own identity and not really like um, saying like, hey, it's actually this. And part of that comes from a place of not wanting to offend somebody or not wanting to call attention to myself or any of those sort of things. So while I don't necessarily know exactly what that could be like for somebody with the gender pronouns, I do imagine that like maybe there's a little bit of that kind of experience too. And so my pronouns I have are she, her, and I have that on, on my name in Zoom and, and in other places. I think it's on, you know, like you can see them on Instagram now. Your pronouns are available uh, as for something to pick. And what I like about that is that it's actually brought up the discussion for many other people with me where they ask like, hey, Diana, why do you put she, her after your name? And I like it because it, it just gives me an opportunity to explain like, hey, like these are... These are my pronouns and part of the reason that I do this is because, you know, maybe maybe for most people it is obvious what my pronouns would be. By clarifying mine, I'm normalizing the experience of sharing our pronouns and helping people see that, you know, it's not necessarily always what you may expect. It's something where I've had like some conversations and felt the opportunity to, to share that with others. And hopefully, you know, like just overall are, I'm helping others gain awareness that, you know, we can, we can have different pronouns from what somebody else may expect. And by sharing ours, we are normalizing more and more of this experience of understanding that our sex and our gender are not the same and that we, we can have a specific gender identity and that we can share and convey that with others. I love that. I love that you are actively making choices to elicit that dialogue and that conversation. I know that for myself, I go by she, her, and I also go by he, him. I have a name that is primarily given to men. And so throughout my life, uh, during emails or even phone conversations, I have been referred to as he, him, and I'm very comfortable with it. And I don't correct people. I remember when I was a resident assistant in the dorms in college, it was a co-ed dorm and you know, my name is Arliss. And so all of the students that 
identified as female, their parents thought that I was a woman. And all of the students who identified as male, their parents thought that I was a man. And so half of the population on the floor were very surprised to find that I was a woman, even though they knew it was a co-ed floor. And I don't find it, I actually like that I go by both. And so that's the other thing about pronouns and talking to somebody about pronouns. It's going to be unique to each person. And there are, there are lots of choices out there. And so people get to choose what they choose and what they feel good about and what they prefer and what feels good to them. And it's really not about the outside judgment of it, right? So I choose she, her, and he, him, and I feel comfortable with all of them. And I do primarily get referred to now as she, her, but when people refer to me as he, him, I I like it just as much. So um, know that there, there are no strict rules around pronouns and that's why it is so important to ask and open up the dialogue and i really encourage our listeners to think about it for yourself you know what feels right to you not necessarily what society would expect you to be called as far as pronouns but what feels really right to you and you may not be ready to share that with anyone outside of yourself but just having the conversation within yourself is a way of showing self-acceptance towards your feelings and your inner dialogue i love that and you know for me yes it's it's most certainly about starting with the inner dialogue but again as you're expressing this and as you're navigating this field of people with various pronouns and everyone's pronouns being unique to them it's okay to get it wrong Mm -hmm. it's okay to mess up and mispronounce my name it's okay for us to not know exactly how to call somebody but what matters is that we're showing some form of intent to continue to learn and to improve and to get better and know you know this is this is new for many of us so the only way we're going to learn how to do it and to do it in a way that's respectful and kind is for us to make mistakes to not do it right to stumble when we're calling they them he her he she he whatever it's okay for us to stumble and i i I really want to be honest about that because i have i have family members and friends where their pronouns have changed and where they have specific pronouns and it's still it's still sometimes not always the easiest for me to get it right and to remember and that's okay Rather than feel uncomfortable in the experience and allow that to stop me from communicating with a person or doing any of those sort of things, it's about, hey, like, yep, I messed up or, oh, I did that, you know, not perfectly. Okay, I'm learning, I'm getting better. Because I think that more than anything, that what all of us really are asking is for us to be seen or identified as an individual and understood and kind of respected for our choices. Absolutely. And for me personally, when I use the wrong pronoun and somebody corrects me, I instantly say thank you. One, because the person is gently you know, trying to give me the right information so that I can communicate effectively. But two, when somebody goes out of their way to correct the pronoun usage that is coming at them, it is hugely heroic of them to feel safe enough to say, hey, I actually go by this pronoun instead. Or, oh, do you remember that conversation last week? This is the pronoun that I prefer or whatever it is. 
know that when that person is making a correction or letting you know their pronoun that it's scary i have friends that have you know changed their pronouns as adults and it's a scary it's scary to even tell the people that they know love them the most in their life and so when somebody corrects me or they share their pronouns with me i am in so much gratitude because that person is opening up in a way that is huge. And so know that it may not always come out the nicest because it is such a scary conversation to be having on their side. And that's okay, we're all trying our best. And I would just invite all of us to, you know, try to put ourselves in their shoes. If, if you were sharing something that you were afraid to be judged about, which happens, right? to all of us, we would want to be received with gratitude and love. And so that's what I try to bring when somebody is sharing their pronouns with me or they're correcting me. And it, it, it really is a measure of trust how we respond, right? And yeah. so just trying to be mindful and respond with as much you know, gratitude and gentleness as possible. I think really helps both sides of the equation. Yeah, so I'm hearing, um, Arliss, you say like, um, there's an aspect of compassion for the person and also compassion for self in not getting it completely right. Knowing that, wow, for this person to have trusted me to entrust me with this information where they feel comfortable. And I think I think you're absolutely right. Like some of the hardest people to do that with is, is family and friends because it it feels like you know these are people that I love I don't want to I don't want to upset them or I don't want to you know I don't I don't know what they will think of me will this cost me love and acceptance and so yeah the more that we can really put ourselves in that person's shoes and come from a place of um, of compassion without judgment I think that 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 speaks volumes and then also giving that to ourselves as we're navigating their pronouns and not used to it. Like this is the, I, I think this is a very new thing for many of us. You know, that I think that the younger generation, they have more practice or more openness to this, so it can be easier. But for those of us who grew up uh, with more of these societal norms, it can be kind of hard to, to see and to fully understand. And there's still a little bit of that push pull that's happening so I think for me, at least, the choice is to move forward with the way that things are going, but to also understand that like sometimes I'm going to fall. I'm not going to do it right. And that's part of the learning process that doesn't make me a bad person. The fact that I'm learning, the fact that I'm stepping in and of itself is the progress. Absolutely. I, I also want to bring up another kind of pitfall that cis gendered and what i mean by cis gendered is those who identify with a gender that meets their or matches their physical anatomy another pitfall that cis gendered individuals like myself fall into sometimes is when we know individuals who are who have changed their gender maybe even more than once in the time that we've known them maybe they went from they them to he him and they but they started at she her 
right? So is to not make light of the fact that they have changed their pronouns. Even if it is within a short amount of time, it's a journey. It's something that can take a long period of time. Sometimes it can take a short period of time in a person to find the pronouns that really fit who they are. And when we like, and I'm including me in this too, because I'm, I'm cisgendered. Um, when we make light of that, like, oh, they don't even know what pronouns i don't even know what pronouns they use anymore that's a way of making light of the situation um, and that can be really devastating to somebody that has trusting us with that really personal information and really trusting us on the journey that they're going on and sharing where they are in that journey with us and so it really is sacred to the person, whatever choice they're making around pronouns and gender, and they get to change their mind and choose something different. And it's not something to be made light of. Um, and so I try to be very aware of that uh, because there is so much humor used in our society uh, that this is an area that I don't wanna use humor because it can be very disenfranchising to people. Yeah, I think it really, again, it goes back to an understanding that what we're talking about is identity. And if we are cisgendered, uh, meaning that we, that our, the way that we identify, as you were saying, our list matches, you know, our, our, our sex parts. Th this is a world that like, we don't fully understand because we haven't been in the other world. Mm -hmm. And there are ways that like, you know, Arliss and I have shared that we can relate, but this is not... This is, this is identity. This is something that's a very, very deep topic. And for someone to have those sort of challenges or that sort of journey to figure that out, that is, that is a journey. And yeah, it's at times along the journey, you can be turned around. You can, you can need to have been to one place to get to the other place. And there's something about honoring that instead of instead of judging it and you know allowing people to go through their process of figuring that out without belittling it because like you said uh Arliss, you know it's it really is so much about these people are entrusting us with it with a safe space and telling us about their preferences and what this person is asking for more than anything in that moment is to be heard and to be heard does not mean that you repeat it and regurgitate it and you nail it every time. It's that you heard that they have different pronouns than what you perhaps may have expected. And again, even if your response is the wrong one, where you where you go to what you thought, what you, you know, where you default to their pronoun, recognizing, catching that and saying, oh, you know, I, I, I meant to address you in this way. That alone, that is huge. You are seeing somebody you're seeing somebody in a way that they have not felt seen. And th that's a way as well to really build connection and make somebody feel loved. Because imagine if for their whole life they feel like they hadn't been seen because they couldn't even figure out who they were or what they were. And they figure, and as they're going through that, they share with you parts of that raw journey of figuring out who they are. Because that's what it is, is a, it's a raw journey to figure that out. And then when they get to that other side, as they're sharing that, again, you don't need to be the perfect person who never mis makes a mistake when you're, when you're addressing that person or referring to the person. 
but simply the fact that you are endeavoring is meaningful. Simply the endeavor in and of itself, it's, you know, it's the, in this case, it truly can be that the thought is what counts. And then as long as you're trying to be intentional here and coming from a good place, I think that as, as long as you're working towards that, it's still okay to mess up. Absolutely. And for me, my default is if, if I don't, if I can't remember if someone's told me their pronouns or not, I ask. I just ask and there's no harm in asking and there's no harm in asking again because when we ask it shows that we care and it shows that we are interested in knowing what is true for them and honoring them for who they are and so i really invite you all of our listeners to ask ask individuals and try not to assume based on their physical appearance i i have a friend who has a very typical uh, feminine body, you know, curves and all of that sort of thing, but they identify as he, him, and they have done other things to alter their appearance to appear more masculine, but they can't do anything to really change the like shape of their body in that drastic of a way. I think it's important to just because a person looks a certain way or dresses a certain way doesn't mean that we shouldn't ask. I think asking is always a really safe bet. Yeah. And I think it is um, getting more and more comfortable with asking those questions and recognizing that it's another form of love that we can show people is by by asking them those sort of questions um, and giving them the space to tell us instead of us making the assumption. And I, I really love that. Yeah. And another even safer way to do it, if asking feels really scary, is to say, hi, my name's Arliss and my pronouns are she, her. So it invites, just like you talked about in the very beginning, Diana, it invites people to um, share the information with you or have a conversation around why you're sharing that information. Yeah, I find that other people share their pronouns because I share mine. And I do it again in a little bit of a move of solidarity where it's like, you know, these are not expected or something for you to presume. And these are something that I get to define. I think that there's power in that, right? Like, instead of feeling like, oh, yeah, like everybody's just choosing whatever pronoun they want. It's like, no, I get to define my pronouns. And in the same sense that I've chosen she, her, and you've chosen she, her, he, him, that's 100% acceptable. You're allowed to, to choose how you want to identify and to, to help make the correction and to stand firm in this is how I want to be identified. And, and again, also allow for people to not necessarily get it right sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, that shouldn't stop us from... from um, from sharing ourselves and, and our identity. Absolutely. And I think that what I hear from you, Diana, and I echo this, is a lot more complicated a topic than 
I think societally we will we were brought up to believe and we see a lot of gender fluidity and also just gender identification in generations now that was not seen before which I find exciting and one of the things that or the thing for me that it comes down to is just compassion compassion on both sides and I I heard say this is recognizing that gender is an individual choice and to be compassionate when we're learning about another person's gender and to be compassionate to ourselves when we are expressing our own gender. Yeah, and this is truly like these concepts, uh, the cisgendered male, female, these are constructs that over time are breaking down and are shifting from the traditional way that we've known and seen them. So it's very important for us to understand that this is a this is a journey where the world is going with this being more the paradigm of younger, you know, the younger generations. And so it, for us, it's it's an understanding that like, okay, we're not always going to get this right. But this is this is the means by which our children, our grandchildren, our nephews, our nieces, the folks that we interact with will begin to see the world more and more. And in this dismantling of the former gender, you know, societal gender constructs, what happens in this space too is there's a lot of discomfort. It's not it's not a perfect process. We are going to mess up. We're going to do it wrong. We're going to have people who you know, first this is the way and then we realize, oh, okay, this is this is actually the way because what we're all doing collectively is gaining in awareness and gaining in consciousness. And as we're navigating this new space, none of us have the answers. We're all doing our best and that's okay. Absolutely. And I also want to say that just because you see someone that is more gender fluid, such as a man wearing eyeliner, like someone who identifies as male or has male or doesn't identify as male, but has male sex organs wearing eyeliner and mascara, but a formal, you know, suit or um, somebody who has, um, you know, female sex organs dressing in, you know, Doc Martens and cargo pants, but has um, a bow in their hair. Just because you see individuals that are expressing that way doesn't actually mean anything about their sexuality either. So gender and sexuality are not necessarily linked. So just because someone who identifies as male wears makeup or nail polish does not mean that they are gay or bisexual. And just because a, a woman wears, you know, dark martins and cargo pants and has short hair does not mean that they're lesbian or bisexual. So it's important to realize that gender and sexuality are really separate topics for people and and to just you know again honor that and not make assumptions <laughs> yeah i th i completely agree with you arliss and i think that's part of why we had chosen for this to be the last topic that we have for pride month because you know it, again it is an understanding that gender and sexuality are separate and that each issue does need and warrant um, a full discussion because they're not the same. Again, sexuality is about our preferences in our partner, 
whereas gender is about our personal identity and understanding that we can we actually have a myriad of choices throughout i think is is liberating and i am looking forward to how it changes uh, future generations absolutely and just in closing do you have any closing thoughts for today on the topic of gender diana i would say that Again, it's it's an understanding that there are societal norms and constructs that are being reformed and shaped at this time. And in that process, as we gain an awareness and understanding and nuance about gender for ourselves, we're going to get part of the process wrong. And I think that by knowing that and by still choosing to approach that and to pursue it, that's what's really going to create growth is an understanding that, yep, we are going to call people by the wrong pronouns. We are going to mess up. We're going to call a dear friend by a pronoun that's not the one that they wish to be identified by. And that is okay. As long as we keep going and recognize that it's, it's about this, this forward progress as opposed to it being perfect. How about you, Arliss? What, what would be your final thoughts? My final thoughts would be... Show compassion to yourself and to others as we all navigate new genders and new pronouns and new gender identities and the people that we know and love. There's power in stating our own pronouns in normal conversation because that normalizes that information being passed between people. And there's also a sacredness and a trust that is established when we do use the pronouns that are identified to us from the people in our lives. And so I think that it's important to make the effort to try. And you're right, it's not always going to be perfect. And we get to still try and show up for those for those people in our lives and for ourselves. I'm sure we have many listeners that identify with pronouns that maybe don't um, match their physical anatomy. And I honor you for sharing your pronouns and am excited to identify you in those ways when we when we all get together. Finish with that today. Thank you all for coming to the Body Positivity Podcast today with Diana and Arliss. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.